Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have another topic question episode for you. So I'm here solo with this one. This one is a grouping of the questions that I got around low-carb endurance. So we're going to hit on those ones for this episode. They include the best food to take on long days on the trail while on keto. And I interpreted that one as both kind of like a strict ketogenic diet versus something a little more close to what I'm typically doing, especially during uh, real structure training, which is more kind of a low carbohydrate approach. So I kind of answered that question with both of those kind of approaches in mind, then on your training days, when you are lower carb, do you make a point of eating immediately after a tougher session? And if so, what do you aim for in terms of protein, carbs, and fats? Uh, then we went on to what is your nutrition and carb percentage on days preceding the race day? So as many of you may know, when you get a week out from a race or so, you start to kind of have a fairly different lifestyle compared to what you're doing in peak training as you're reducing volume and intensity. So with that change in lifestyle often comes dietary manipulations, but you also have this big event that's on the end of the week typically. So how does all of those moving parts kind of work into your fueling strategy, or at least my fueling strategy in those days leading in? So I touched on kind of that and what I recommend with the folks that I work with that are low carbohydrate and doing endurance events. And then finally, for a newbie triathlete, would you suggest a train low race high strategy? No podium ambitions, finishing without hating myself is the goal. So that one we touch on, I, I, I highlight kind of what the general mindset around the whole train low race high concept is, and then highlight kind of what I think about it and maybe how it would be best implemented and the ways to maybe think about that specific topic. Uh, so that will be this episode. If you are interested in checking this episode out, ad free or early release, uh, or any of the episodes, I should say early release, you can access that through the show Patreon page, which is found at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO. You can link over to the Patreon page from there. Uh, that is a great way to support the show and give you ad free early release audio. So if that's something interesting, you go ahead and check that out coming up and on the Patreon page right now from the early release side of thing is an interview I did, uh, with Evan and Jana who have a company called complete human, and they are really diving into one aspect of that company right now, which is regenerative farming. They're an interesting group to me because, I've had regenerative farmers on this podcast in the past. They represent maybe the next wave of regenerative farming where you get people who are a bit younger versus your typical ranching farming setup and from a completely different industry. Yeah, you just don't see that too often. So I was excited to see like the hows and why they got into that and kind of hear what they were what they're up to with it. That one's on the Patreon page right now and will be going public at the end of the month here in July as well if you're interested. If you want to support the show monetarily, but not through Patreon, you can still head over to zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. There's options there as well for a single click, uh, easy to access donations. If you want to support the show, but not monetarily, 
liking, sharing, subscribing on your favorite podcast platform goes a long way in helping me grow this show. Another way to support the show is if I have a sponsor that has a product you'd like to try out, you can access discounts and let them know you got their product from here by clicking through the links in the show notes and at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Here are the sponsors for this episode. This episode sponsor is Element. Element makes an electrolyte supplement with no sugar. Each packet is loaded with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. They come in convenient single-serve packets that make them great for bringing along for a run, hike, going to the gym, or while traveling. My go-tos are the citrus flavor and the newly restocked watermelon flavor for my long runs and post-run rehydration as well as their chocolate flavor, which I love to add in my morning coffee with a little bit of creamer. Tastes great, and it's a fun way to start the day for me. If you are hesitant or would like to try out Element first, before you purchase, they are offering a flavor sample pack with one of each of their flavors for free to anyone who uses the HPO URL. If you want to check them out and support HPO along the way, you can head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. Links can be found in the show notes as well as at zachbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Bioptimizers. Bioptimizers Blood Sugar Breakthrough is designed to help you control blood sugar fluctuations. When you take in a lot of carbs too quickly, without much fiber or fat to slow down absorption, you could experience what we call a sugar crash. One solution to this roller coaster is to reduce your intake of processed carbohydrates and make sure you eat fat, protein, fiber, and greens at most meals. But none of us are perfect. We all cheat sometimes, so it just makes sense to have a way to maintain healthy blood sugar day in, day out, even if you have an off day. This easy-to-take supplement is the result of numerous tests to find the absolute best formula for maintaining healthy blood sugar. In fact, Bioptimizers went through five different formulations before landing on this one. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health forward slash human and save 10% with the code human10 to try blood sugar breakthrough. If you use this link, the discount will automatically apply and that's at bloodsugarbreakthrough.health forward slash human promo code human10. Also, if you are not satisfied, Bioptimizer stands behind their 365 day 100% money back guarantee. All right, so let's hop into these best foods to take on long run and trail while on keto. So this could go a couple different directions. So if you're talking strict keto, which or therapeutic, you get in this kind of category of like, how do we define this? For me personally, when someone is talking about like strict keto, or sometimes you'll see it called like a very low carbohydrate, high fat diet. The intent here is that they're keeping their carbohydrates so low that your liver is more or less forced due to lack of carbohydrate to churn out higher and higher amounts of carb or of uh, ketone bodies. So your liver is going to store like 100 to maybe 150 grams of carbohydrate. 
So one of the reasons why a lot of strictly calculated ketogenic diets or very low carbohydrate diets go 50 grams or less is it's basically a slam dunk. If you're down at these levels, you're going to force your liver to produce ketones. And the lower you go, the more it's going to do it. Uh, is why you tend to see higher millimoles of blood ketones as you go lower in carbohydrate. And those people who have those really, really high ones likely are getting down close to no carbohydrate. So in a scenario like this, that's going to definitely like drive the conversation a little bit as to what you're going to take out on that long run. Cause you're basically going to be sticking with fats and proteins at that point. So for a situation like that, if you're going to be like really strict and stick to that specific gram per day, for whatever reason you decide to do that, then things that, you know, I, I still try to like to follow the same process of having some sort of kind of like performance product. That's a little easier that kind of takes into thought what you're actually doing. So they may have like better proportions of ingredients for digestion while you're moving or electrolytes included and things like that. And then since longer races, I tend to like to have a blend between solid foods and performance products. Practicing what you're going to use for that event itself is going to be a good idea to kind of mix into it. So thinking about like, what is it that you want to have available to you on race day and then kind of planning accordingly there. So in the sports product world, there's a lot less things available for someone on a strict ketogenic diet or someone looking for fat and protein outside of like your standard uh, endurance product. Uh, the company S fuels, who's my nutrition sponsor, they make some lifestyle and performance products that are geared towards low carbohydrate ketogenic athletes and then low carb ketogenic lifestyles. So they do actually have some performance products that would fit this description. The one that would be the most specific would be their train product. Their train product is basically a powder that you can mix in with your water bottle, similar to what you would do with like any other sports product that is, you know, an energy source that you'd mix in with your hydration. And it comes with a small amount of fat and protein as well as electrolytes. So you can sort of check a lot of those boxes with just that from the electrolyte hydration and uh, making sure that you're not introducing a lot of carbohydrate into your, your run. So you're keeping that fat coming in, uh, to kind of just defend energy levels a little bit, if you're going to be out there for quite a while and you want to practice what you're going to maybe use on race day, then you have kind of the solid food side of the equation. So for someone in this spot, you know, things like, you know, you can have like strips of bacon and you're add some salt to that. And it's going to be like a nice little thing you can stick in a baggie and kind of bring with you. You could do like seeds or nuts or some sort of like low carb trail mix, something that's got minimal to no carbohydrate in it that you can kind of pack along pretty easily. Um, you know, nut butters can be useful. They are sometimes hard to find in carry packages or small enough packages, but you can get single serving ones. Uh, you can also, I think if you go on like Amazon or somewhere, you could order little like soft flasks that are really small where you could put just a couple ounces of something in. And if you have something like that, what I like to do is if you're going to go like a nut butter route, take some nut butter and some like extra virgin olive oil or coconut oil or something like that and mix it up. It makes it a little more liquidy. And then you can almost make like something that's like a gel consistency. That's going to be mostly fat and protein. So you're minimizing or almost eliminating carbohydrate at that point, but still introducing some fuel sources in there. Uh, another option would just be like some like jerky or maybe even like a biltong, because that's going to give you a little higher fat percentage versus just 
you know, some jerkies get pretty lean from that process. And then you're basically just munching on mostly protein at that point, which isn't going to necessarily be all that advantageous for you when you're out there trying to fuel a long run. Um, but yeah, ultimately kind of like playing around with some of those options and finding out what is going to be most convenient and useful for you for whatever event or project you're planning is likely going to be a great spot to start with that. Um, if we take this a little bit of a different angle and assume when the question said, while on keto, they were just maybe loosely referring to a lower carbohydrate diet, kind of similar to something that I do where my carbohydrates are always quite a bit lower than my fat macronutrients. But when I'm in kind of structured training, it's, it's pretty rare that I'm following like a strict ketogenic diet from a gram standpoint where I'm dipping down to like 50 grams or less those times I'm usually using that kind of a strategy, maybe in the off season versus during the training cycle itself in any meaningful way. So for someone like that, who's going to have a little more flexibility in terms of the amount of carbohydrates they have in the, during the day, you know, a lot of the athletes I work with that take this approach are typically kind of more in the hundred to 150 gram of carbohydrate per day range. They're going to have a little more opportunity to practice, uh, like doing a strategy where they're maybe going to defend muscle glycogen a bit more out on that long run, which ultimately is likely going to be valuable for them on race day, as they're going to introduce some of those sources, uh, to defend muscle glycogen on some of these really long events, even though the intensity is low, if they're burning even a small amount of glycogen over a long period of time that could catch up with them. So having a small bit of of, uh, of carbohydrate mixed in with their fueling strategy can kind of help keep them, keep them on top of that. So for that person, the best food they can take on something like that would just be, uh, kind of, again, like the other, whatever is going to match what you're going to fuel on race day. So for, for these type of workouts, for me personally, I'm going again with that sports product and then a solid food option that I'm going to bring with me. Uh, I'm going to target around the amount of grams per hour that I'm going to try to hit on, on race day, which with my conversations with Matt Carpenter on a previous episode, I believe it was episode 162. If you're really interested in low carbohydrate fueling, definitely check out that episode with Matt Carpenter, because he has a research lab over in the UK that's really looking into this stuff. Uh, he, he mentioned like 30 to 45 grams per hour is typically what a lot of the low carb athletes that come through his lab and people he's seen are targeting for some of these longer events. Uh, so that fits within the framework of what I do and what I've seen a lot of the clients I work with on low carbohydrate diets target. So just coming up with what you're going to use on for that. And, you know, sometimes that just takes a little playing around since there's just a ton of products out there, options out there that are going to have some component of carbohydrate in it that fit the performance side of things. Uh, you have more kind of potential things that you can pick from to try out. For me personally, this is where I'll use the SPHILS Race Plus product. Uh, it usually has 15 to 16 grams of carbohydrate in a packet of that. They blend it with a small amount of fat and protein just to kind of ease the digestion side of things, which can be kind of helpful when you're out there for a long period of time. And like train, they have an electrolyte component to it. So you can sort of check part of that equation as well while you're kind of using that as a fuel source. So I'm going to be using that during long runs where I'm preparing for the race itself uh, within that kind of gram range that I mentioned before to just, you know, test to see how things are going. And if, uh, if, 
if I'm kind of still where I was at the last time I was in that position preparing and just kind of confirming, is this what I want to do on race day? How am I going to respond to this when I introduce it so that I'm not having a bunch of surprises on race day? Then it comes about picking a solid food option within that gram framework. And this is where it's pretty wide open. Usually what I tell folks is focus on something or some things that aren't super foreign to your diet. So let's say, for example, while you're practicing your low carbohydrate diet and training, the carbs you do have tend to be more fruit-based. Well, this might be an opportunity to kind of leverage the fact that your body is more or less better at probably processing and digesting those products since you introduce them to your diet more frequently. Starting there is not a bad idea because it kind of gives you maybe a leg up on what to expect versus introducing something you've never eaten before, rarely ever eat. Uh, but if you want, you can try that. What I encourage folks to do is try that in the runs themselves so they can stress test it. And then if you do decide, Hey, this is maybe something I'd like to include or try for uh, my race itself, then start practicing with it on your long runs when you're getting closer to the race so that you are having more data points in terms of how your body may is maybe is going to respond to that. Or if you're going to get sick of having it and you need another option, or if it's just simply not going to sit in your stomach the way you want it to. Uh, yeah. So that is, I think I covered that question pretty thoroughly. Um, on next one on your training days, when you are lower carb, do you make a point of eating immediately after a tougher session and if so, what do you aim for from a protein, carb, fat content? Really good question. So there's a few things to consider here. And the specifics of this question make it a little bit easier to answer. So they said a harder session. So a session that's going to likely either be quite lengthy or just like a, a speed work session or something like that. Something where we can stand to assume that there is going to be some depletion of muscle glycogen to a meaningful amount where the ingestion of a carbohydrate source will likely just be shuttled into liver and muscle glycogen a little more rapidly than normal. So in this type of situation, I'm going to first look at what are the amount of grams that I have available to me for that day. And I'm going to position a pretty healthy chunk of those with the food I eat directly after that workout because it is a great opportunity to have those carbohydrates get shuttled into the muscle and liver glycogen and help supplement that side of things for whatever you have coming next. And the other side of it is if you think of carbohydrate, we talked about this a little bit, I believe on the hydration podcast, but the last part of the word carbohydrate is hydrate. So one of the challenges, low carb ketogenic folks are going to have is one lever that would normally help keep them hydrated is mostly or entirely removed from their diet. So the roughly two to three grams of water that would tie itself to a gram of carbohydrate isn't there as frequently. So this is also another opportunity to leverage the fact that you're probably a little dehydrated or at least moving that direction after a hard workout and not just fueling, but also rehydrating is a big piece to kind of recovering and getting ready for your next session. So by adding like a healthy chunk of the carbohydrates, you are going to consume that day after that workout versus some other point during the day makes it a pretty ideal spot to put it in terms of the amounts. 
for a day like this, you know, I'm probably going to be sitting somewhere around 150 grams of carbohydrate for a day like that. And it, you know, it might be two to three hours worth of work between running strength, work, mobility, and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of the context there. And with that framework, you know, I might place a good solid, like 50 to 75, or sometimes even up to hundred grams right after that workout and have that particular meal be one where I congest a little more carbohydrate than I would typically do for a meal. Uh, for those reasons I mentioned before, it, it's, it's, it, you're going to want to work with the framework that you are. If you're kind of a little lower carbohydrate than I am thinking of it in terms of what do I have available to me for this day and positioning, you know, maybe half to two thirds of what you're going to take in that day from a carbohydrate standpoint, it's not a bad spot at all to put it. Uh, the other thing to consider too, is if it's a really hard, like speed session, I've talked about this a little bit before, where if you kind of like remove yourself from this thought process of, I need to eat X number of grams of this and that, uh, per 24 hours, and then kind of rinse and repeat and rather look at it through like a multi-day lens, you have a little more flexibility yet here. So let's say you have a situation where you have like an easy day of running or at least a low intensity day of workout followed by a high intensity day, like a short interval session, and then followed by like a rest day. So those are three very different days. The rest day is going to be the lowest energy, very little glycolytic activity, if any, the short interval day in between is going to be a more carbohydrate demanding day or more glycogen demanding day. And then the day before that is going to be probably a moderate energy burning day where you're out there running, working out, but just at low intensity. So you're likely covering a lot of your bases, fat metabolism, if you're following a low carbohydrate or ketogenic diet. So what that kind of means is you can sort of say, Hey, if I'm trying to hit roughly hundred to 150 grams of carbohydrate per day on average, maybe what I do is I lean to the shorter end of that or the lower end of that on those, that easy run day and that rest day. So that on that that faster day, that speed session day, you can have a little bit above that hundred to 150 day gram average you're normally hitting in order to supplement the work you're going to do with those fast interval sessions. If that kind of makes sense. Um, in terms of fat and uh, protein within that equation, you know, usually I'm, I'm looking to get at least 30 grams of protein after a session like that. If when I'm in full training, it's like I'm eating so much. Usually it's almost hard not to get 30 grams of protein. So I might get up to even closer to 50 at some points. It really just depends on kind of what my eating patterns are likely going to look like that day. Uh, I like to kind of structure my nutrition or at least where I kind of gravitate to based on hunger is I'll get pretty hungry, kind of like mid to late morning after my first training session. And then I'll get pretty hungry again in evening around dinner time. So that kind of, I usually have two pretty big meals around those two times a day. And then depending on my work output or my energy needs, I may put in more like uh, another meal or some snacks in there or something like that to kind of make sure I'm staying on top of nutrition. If uh, the energy output gets so big that it's like uncomfortable to eat enough during those two main sessions. So, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to have like a few opportunities to introduce protein throughout the day, then I'm likely not going to go as high, but 30 to 50 grams is usually about where I'm at. I'm typically aiming for roughly about a gram of protein per pound of body weight per day when I'm in peak training, just for reference on that as well. And then fat's just going to make up the remainder for that. So like I'm, I'm typically going to have 
a certain amount of energy based on kind of about what I'm going to do that day. So if I'm doing a higher training day and, you know, burning maybe 4,000 plus calories, you know, I'm going to have as much fat as I need to make up the difference there between the carbohydrate and the protein that I'm going to have a little more tightly controlled. So the fat is going to be the one that flexes up and down probably a little bit more based on, you know, a rest day where my energy output is not quite as high versus like a bigger training day where, you know, I might be burning double or even triple what my resting metabolic day is depending on kind of what the workout's looking like. All right. On to the next question. What is your nutrition and carb percentage on days preceding the race day? So this is a really good question. So one thing that often gets talked about when it comes to a kind of low carbohydrate ketogenic diet folks is Yes, they're leveraging their fat oxidation rates. They have these off the chart fat oxidation rates, but that can come at the expense of their body's ability to use and process exogenous carbohydrates in a way that's going to be allow them to fuel within what uh, most people would target during like a single day ultra marathon or an endurance race. And th that's definitely true. Like if you would eliminate all carbohydrates from your diet, your body would downregulate the system in which it's able to kind of use carbohydrates effectively. So you sort of are giving up some of that tool to a degree, but it comes back pretty quick, two or three days of like a reintroduction of like even a modest amount of carbohydrate is going to put you in a position where you're going to be able to hit those 30 to 45 grams of carbohydrates per hour during the race itself. So usually what I end up doing when I'm like two, three days out from the race itself, I'm going to start hitting carbohydrate percentages similar to what I would peak at in my training. So that coupled with the relative reduction in volume and intensity in these days, as I'm tapering is going to put me in a position where my body is going to have no problem using that fuel source out there. But since my lifestyle is low carbohydrate, it's also going to be plenty effective at high fat oxidation rates. So the way to do it is hit, go up to like your peak carbohydrate intake during your training plan for those two or three days leading in. For me, that's going to be somewhere like around maybe 20, 30% of my intake from carbohydrate. Then eventually you're going to, you're going to have your last meal before the last time you sleep before the race itself. That's the time to maybe cut off carbohydrate until you get into the race itself. So you eat dinner that night, you start digesting it, you go to bed, you sleep, now you have this window where you've gone, you know, eight, nine, 10, maybe more hours without eating because of sleep. And that gives you this leverage where now you've done kind of a mini fast, where the longer you get into that, the more your body's going to start turning to burning fat at higher rates. So when you wake up in the morning before that event, this is an opportunity to kind of leverage that a little bit by having fats and proteins for breakfast before the start of your race, if that race is going to be kind of a longer single day ultra marathon type event or a triathlon or something like that. By doing that, when you start, your body is going to be churning out higher rates of fat. And then once you get about say 45, maybe 60 minutes at the most into that event, introducing that carbohydrates within those ranges I mentioned earlier is a good time to start that. And then you'll sort of have this, this situation where you're, you're going to leverage your high fat oxidation rates, but also defend muscle glycogen appropriately so that you feel like you're, you're strong and able to finish, uh, finish without like your body increasing the perceived effort drastically at whatever pace you're averaging throughout that day. All right. Last question 
for a newbie triathlete, would you suggest a train low race high strategy? No podium ambitions finishing without hating myself. Um, generally speaking, if we are looking at like a train low race high strategy, there's a little bit of range within what that would actually define. So like the spirit of that approach would be having a relatively low carbohydrate diet while you're training. And then on race day, just bringing the carbohydrates back, like fueling mostly with carbohydrates. I think the intent of this is that you're probably fueling maybe a little bit higher, like closer to what the recommendations would be for someone who's on a moderate to high carbohydrate diet. So the problem with that is potentially what I talked about prior, which is if you went low enough carbohydrate during that training, it's possible that you're going to experience like digestive issues or not be able to tolerate the carbohydrates that you're bringing in at the frequency at which you would have typically done while following a moderate to high carbohydrate diet, which should be okay. If your low carbohydrate diet puts you in a position where the intensity at which you're racing is going to be easy enough to defend with that 30 to 45 gram per carbohydrate, um, range that I talked about before. So when, in terms of advocating for it, I would say generally that would probably like what I do would likely fit within that framework. I think you definitely want to be a little more specific than just kind of like blindly saying, all right, I'm going to keep carbs as low as I can get them through all my training. And then I'll come race day. I'm going to eat every carbohydrate in sight. <laughs> That's likely going to probably put you in the same position as maybe you were before when you decided to go low, low carbohydrate, which is just the, the very high percentage like gastrointestinal issues we often see in these long single day events like triathlons and ultra marathons. So sticking to the, the sort of the strategy of you're doing this low carbohydrate approach in training so that on race day, you don't need to fuel with as much carbohydrate as you would if you were moderate to high carbohydrate is kind of the template you want to follow there. So generally speaking, I would say yes, because if you just look at the foods you're going to be consuming on race day, it likely is going to be more carbohydrates than fats and proteins. Uh, but a lot of that is because the fats that you're going to be pulling from on race day is going to be body fat because that way you can bypass digestion and avoid having issues from consuming a lot of uh, exogenous fuel and creating gastrointestinal issues. That is the leverage point with a low carbohydrate diet is the huge portion of your fuel source is going to be coming from something that can bypass your digestion. And with fat stores being much more ample than glycogen stores, that endogenous source of fuel is just going to be more reliable from uh, it not depleting during the event itself. Uh, so hopefully that hits on what the intent of those questions were. If not, or if someone wants me to dive deeper or clarify some of the points within that, feel free to shoot me a note. You can catch me on Instagram at Zach Bitter on Twitter at ZBitter, on Facebook at ZBitter Endurance, and email at hbopodcast at gmail.com. All that stuff, if you're forgetting what it is, can be accessed through kind of my main hub, which is just my website at zachbitter.com. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors are Element and by optimizers, you can get your free electrolyte sample pack from Element or 10% off by optimizers by heading to the link in the show notes or at zackbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. 
right, folks. If you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.